Um, so we did a little uh, uh, bad thing. I mean, we didn't do a bad thing. The mics did a bad thing. And we recorded the whole episode. But uh, there was, what happened? Big buzz. Big loose buzz. Connection, loose connection in the mixer. Loose connection in the mixer. And um, yeah, we didn't get any sound in the last, uh, last video. So we're going to try to do it over for y'all. Um, so to start this episode off, hi, my name is Kayla Marie Coates. It was perfect. Like, it was, it was so perfect. perfect. Like, you missed it. You missed oh, it. <laughs> just like talking about music. There was a song from the 60s that I loved. <laughs> you didn't even introduce yourself. Oh, I'm Ron Ledesma. But first, I got to tell you the story. Uh, <laughs> back in the 60s, everybody was smoking weed and thought that they were just invented sliced bread, right? Uh, of course. Because, you know, like every generation thinks they invented weed. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so everything was about being stoned. Stoners mm -hmm. here, stoners there. And uh, there was a singer named Shel Silverstein. Okay. And he was a comedian. He's a poet, too. Yeah, he wrote on, uh, I think, uh, Playboy Magazine. Oh. And articles and stuff. Ron anyway. Shel Silverstein. <laughs> but uh, he had a song. It's on one of my uh, mixtapes called I Was Stoned and I Missed It. <laughs> Yeah, and this, it's a story of Shel Silverstein, what a hapless guy he was, uh -huh. that every time he got a situation where he was with a beautiful woman or something great was going on, <clears throat> he wakes up and all his friends are telling him what happened, and all he could say was, I was stoned and I missed it. <laughs> so uh, all of you out there who were stoned and you missed all this, it's a good thing because no sound. No, no sound. We were talking about a lot of interesting stuff, uh, all the crazy trouble that look. Captain Ron has gotten into and all that stuff. I, and let's go back into introductions. I, Welcome to According to Captain Ron's Record. I, I poured my heart out on that last episode. Oh, God. It was so I, good. I was so proud of us. I bared my soul. So we will try to, in a sense, recreate the magic that happened. But recreation is never the same. Uh, never the same. No. It's tragic, but you know, it's show business. I know. <laughs> so yes. we're going to start off this episode like we're going to Well, last off. time, Kayla mentioned a pun, and I missed it. This time, I'm going to get that pun. Yeah, yeah, if hey, I can make it again. <laughs> look what I have here. So this is we're going to start off every episode picking out a record. This is the one that Captain Ron has chosen for this week. Yeah, uh, this has got several significance uh, to it. One is, it's about Los Angeles, California. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what was going on in Los Angeles in the late 60s, early 70s. Jackson Brown was a big part of it. Also, this cover, a lot of you young folks, most of you out there are probably younger. Uh, I don't think old folks watch this kind of stuff anymore. This, anyway, this album cover is actually a picture of a desert water bag. Now, what's that, Captain Ron? <laughs> As if you didn't find out in the previous episode. <clears throat> okay, for all you young folks, I'll give you the bit of history here. Uh, a desert water bag. Back in the 40s and 50s, people drove around in cars, and when, when our family went up to the desert, like Mojave, uh, to visit family in Ridgecrest, live in the high country, right? Well, I guess 110, 120 degrees in the desert. You go to Palm Springs, you know how hot it is. Oh, so hot. Okay, so the, the good thing about the desert, on the high heat, is it's low humidity. Okay, low humidity. Now, if you uh, remember your high school chemistry, you'll know that when water evaporates, it cools. The, yes. the steam goes off the water and takes the heat, and the water that's left behind cools, the air cools. Okay, so 
Back in those days, you didn't have air conditioning in your car. You could barely afford a car, for God's sake. And most <laughs> likely, didn't have an automatic transmission. You had to know how to use a clutch. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. I still don't know how to use a clutch. Now, when people traveled in the desert, they had to have water. Mm -hmm. Only problem was the water was so hot, you didn't want to drink it. Nasty, huh? Hot water? Nasty. Yeah. We'll get into that word in a little bit. Nasty's coming up. You just look <laughs> tight. Uh, so you're in the desert and you you want water. You want cold water. Well, this is what the bag was for. These little holes right here were for the string went through. And you hung your bag on the front of your car like the radiator. You hung it in front of your radiator. And what would it do? The air would hit it. You would fill your bag up at the gas station with the water hose. Okay. Then you'd wet the bag, right? You'd right. soak it in a hot tub or whatever. You just soak hot it. Tub. Well, you know, it, it, it's got to be water involved. Okay. So you soak the bag. Now, the bag is soaked. You get out of your car and you drive along, and the wind hits your bag and the water evaporates. And what happens when the water evaporates? It cools the what's left. Uh, so does it? Does it? So it definitely leaves, obviously, water in the canister. It doesn't evaporate any of the water that's inside? Uh, no. Just the stuff on the, <clears throat> the outside. Okay. So this is made of canvas, this bag. It's got a waterproof inside, but the outside is cloth. So when you wet it, the cloth holds the water. And when the water evaporates from the cloth, it cools what's inside. Mm. That's evaporative cooling. And you'll see it in the desert. They have big coolers on the roof with water going to them. Mm -hmm. and, and in fact, a lot of big buildings uh, in downtown Los Angeles, where we yeah. go, they'll have big evaporators with their big fans that blow. So they'll use evaporative cooling when, when uh, the humidity is low. Oh, I'm trying oh, to think so, if I've passed any of those. <clears throat> so, evaporative cooling, desert water bag, 40s and 50s. This is a relic of that era. And I spent a lot of time with a water bag going in hot places. I remember. Okay, so Jackson Brown uh, used the water bag on this album cover, which I really felt was interesting. Uh, the other thing about this time frame was that in Los Angeles, a lot of artists were getting together and formed the basis of sort of a musical revolution that was going on. Right. <clears throat> Jackson Brown was a part of that. Linda Ronstadt. And the Stone Ponies and some of the band members became the Eagles. And then... Uh, of course, we had, uh, oh, who else? Uh, the Jefferson Airplane. Of course, they were up north. But down in L.A., we had, uh, oh, who was the other group there? Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Oh, I love them. Before that, it was Buffalo Springfield. But so many of the artists from that era were friends of Jackson Brown, and Jackson Brown wrote music that was sung by other artists like the Eagles, Take It Easy, Really? Yeah. So that was a Jackson Brown song. So these guys all hung out together. They played in each other's bands. They shared music. They wrote music together. They co-authored stuff. And they visited each other in their houses up in Hollywood. They lived in Hotel California. Does that ring a bell? Oh, yeah, yeah Hotel California. Anyway, back in those days, <clears throat> that's what was going on when that album was released. Mm -hmm. It was like a, a rebirth of uh, a, a genre of music. What like year eight, was that again? 72 was this album, 1972. Huh. So late 60s, early 70s, uh, it was just before uh, what came in John Travolta. 
<laughs> disco. Yeah. Yeah, disco came in the 70s. But <clears throat> this was going on in the late 60s. So Joni Mitchell, people like that were getting together, making music in L.A. Mm. So that's, that's what this record represents, that era of music. And um, cool. that was about the time 8-tracks were popular yeah. and uh, cassette tapes were just coming into vogue. Yeah, so that was this era of music. That was a lot of crazy stuff back then because there was a, a major world event that we were all tied up in, the Vietnam War. Uh, yes. Yes. So, so there were a lot of protest songs. Um, in the 50s and 40s, they sang a lot of songs about the swoon in June and the moon and I'll love you forever. And all of these songs were all ballads. Yeah. You know, they were singing ballads to each other. <clears throat> and back in this era, people started singing about what the hell was going on in life. Uh, the Buffalo Springfield. Uh, uh, <clears throat> something happening here. Hmm. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. Yeah. So <clears throat> lyrics started changing from a swoon in June to look over there, the guy with a gun, you know, four dead in Ohio. Yeah. Uh, so there was a lot of things going on. Social unrest was really big during the Vietnam War. And a lot of these artists were singing the songs that we all listened to during that period of time. And at the same time, what else was going on? Hippies. Mm -hmm. Love children. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Don't, don't want to talk about that. My people. <clears throat> <laughs> All of a sudden, everybody wanted to go to San Francisco and live in a commune. You know? Everybody wanted to be a hippie. Right? So. Uh, I'm a modern-day hippie. Yeah. You are. It's true. You dress like one. You I mean, today I'm just a colorful explosion. Mm. Uh, but normally, I'll, I've got my, like, bell bottom. Flare yeah. arms, all the jazz, all the crocheted vests. <laughs> you have a, I've got the pictures to prove it. Oh, yes. Yes, Call you do. Me. Ooh, you have any clothes Call me. <laughs> hey, uh, for, uh, for a limited time only, I'm having a sale on Kayla paraphernalia. You want pictures of Kayla in compromising positions? You just get in touch with me. You know, have your checkbook handy. You really don't have okay. to. Anyway, so a little bit of the introduction of what, according to Captain Ron's record, is is this is the unedited, unfiltered, pure and real perspective from Ron Ledesma, or should I say Captain Ron Ledesma? Captain Ron. Captain, Captain Ron. Captain Ron. That Lewis. is the more proper name. <clears throat> yeah, that's my uh, that's my uh, my persona. Yeah, his DJ name. Yeah, uh, yes. during my life. I don't know. I think I probably told you this before one time. Uh, I've had many personas. Uh, and the reason is because I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. So in order to be able to sit in front of this camera and talk to you <laughs> and behave like I'm a real person, I have to get out of my introvert. Ah. The only way I can do that is to get into one of my personas. Now, for about five years in Missouri, I lived with the Amish. And during that five years, one of the things that I did was I was a tour guide for people from Kansas City who would drive up to Amish country and wanted to see the Amish in their way of life. Right. I would charge them money. <laughs> yeah. Capitalism. And, <laughs> yes. That was a tour guide, Ron. I wasn't Captain Ron, but I was a tour guide. Yeah. And I took people from Kansas City and I toured all around the countryside because Amish don't live in the town. They live in the five miles the surrounding. Yeah. And when people wanted to see the Amish, the Amish had all their stores and 
all the stuff that they did was on their farms. They yeah, didn't go it to was the fascinating. So I would take the uh, uh, my touring customers, and during the tour, I was tour guide. Yeah. Now a tour guide has to keep people entertained as well as just say, "Look over there, there's a sign." No. You <laughs> yeah. got yes. So you have to, for instance, instead of look over there, there's a sign. In Missouri, there was a a place where there were two highways that met. Mm-hmm. Highway F and Highway U. And the sign at that intersection said, F U. Now, <laughs> what was I to do as a tour guide oh, except no. to point this out to the poor tourists so they wouldn't be offended? I have, of course, to explain that of course, of there course. was nothing personal intended by the state of Missouri no. when they put up the F U sign. Seriously. I'm sure that they had some inclination of what they were doing. Though. Yes. <laughs> These are the kinds of things, though, that I got to do as a tour guide is to tell all the Kansas City folks about the local signage. Oh. What else? Tell, let's let's go into more of what you did in Missouri. Oh. Yeah, because I remember going on those Amish trips <clears throat> with you sometimes whenever I would come and visit or me and Ronnie, my younger brother, would come and visit. Yeah, that's about the time you guys were uh, in grammar school. Yeah, younger. yeah. I was I was uh, in elementary, and I remember in middle school. I was in like those grades. I was about to go into high school, actually, yeah. if I'm remembering well, correctly. Uh, well, what happened with, uh, with Missouri was this. Uh, I had worked for many years in the Silicon Valley mm-hmm. uh, in the um, high-tech industries. Right. So uh, that was very highly stressful. Uh, meetings all the time, uh, schedules, you know, I, it was just hard work. And Gail and I both worked in, the, in Silicon Valley, and we got tired of the rat race, and we kept saying, oh, we want to get out of the city. We had a little place up in Mount Shasta. We'd go skiing and get away from everything. But even so, it wasn't our retirement place. Gail said, no, this is Lady Gail from the pirate ship Pinata. She <laughs> says, no, I don't want to live in Shasta permanently because it's a volcano. Mount Shasta is a volcano. And, I had no idea. And, and of course, Gail, yeah. Lady Gail, my wife, she hates volcanoes. She lives in mortal fear of volcanoes. And she lives in fear of earthquakes. Really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. So she doesn't want to be around any place where there's an earthquake or where there's a volcano. And she wants to... So we talked about retirement. We came up with a place that had four seasons... It was country, but still had some uh, uh, social and uh, intellectual interest to it. And that was the Amish. So we moved to an Amish town in Missouri that had all four seasons, right? And it was peaceful and quiet and beautiful. So, very, very beautiful. So when yeah. we retired from Silicon Valley and all of that craziness that was going on, we uh, built a a bought a farm, bought some land, and we built a bed and breakfast. Oh, you built it? Yes. Oh, I didn't know you built it. Yeah. Did you, like yourself, you <clears throat> hand and oh, wood well, and nail? This is the part of how I got to know the Amish. The Amish work on a handshake. Really? Yeah. So if you go hire an Amish person to do a job, they take your word for it, and they shake your hand. That's like your word. Okay? Yeah. So you make a deal. <laughs> all right? So uh, when I moved there, uh, first thing I did is I went to meet the local banker and talk to him about what was going on in the town and uh, listen to his recommendations. That's who I could, couldn't trust. And so <clears throat> I got a fella, an Amish fella, who was recommended to me, and I talked to him about building the buildings of the inn, remodeling a building I bought, and adding to it. 
And he agreed. I, being an engineer, went back on my workstation and drew up the plans for it. And then I printed out the plans, and then I went and sat down, and I talked to him over the plans. He gave me a price, we shook hands, and then I walked away. And lo and behold, you know, every once in a while, he'd call me to say, hey, I got this, what about this, what about that? And he built according to my plans. Yeah. And so the inn that you'd stay at and all those rooms and everything, uh, I designed those. Really? I design, yes, I designed the remodel on the house there. So all of that design was something that I did. And Gail got to look and work with me on the ideas and too. Sure. But all the dimensions, the design and all, were all things that uh, I drew up, uh, printed out schematics for him or, or blueprints, and uh, then he built it. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So I, I didn't know that you designed those. Yeah, that's what you know, I was telling you that a couple of weeks ago when we sat down to talk, that um, being grandchildren, you you only spent small periods of time with me. Right. And the rest of the time I was doing stuff like trying to be an architect <laughs> or, or, <laughs> build, you know, or, or, or cooking breakfast for people at the bed and breakfast or, yeah. or being a tour guide or, right. or you know, uh, writing programs or, you know, building websites or whatever. But you only saw little pieces a of little me. A glimmer and those, of it. And those were just during recreational times. Sure. I take you here, take you there. We do stuff. Give you some money, let you go to town, buy lollipops. Jawbreakers. That's what we would all buy. Big jawbreakers. Those were the best in my family. <clears throat> so every time you grandkids would come and visit, of course, the town is so small, population is 525 in that town. Oh, so teeny. Little teeny town. So we lived three blocks from right the center of town, and then the fourth block, there was nothing there. We lived on the, we lived on the far end of the town, three blocks, yeah. from, three blocks from the center of town, I, right? Very and they're very short blocks, two houses on a block. Yeah. So, uh, so when I give you kids uh, a dollar and say, you know, go spend it, well, of course, the little town was a tourist town. So they had all kinds of, you know, candies and, you know, kind of stuff tourists like to, like to, like to eat. Right. Yeah. So uh, you grandkids, I remember I had bicycles for all of you, and you would take off and go riding bicycles in town and go shop at the little stores. And, of course, the thing, your favorite thing that you liked was... Jawbreakers. Jawbreakers. Oh my God, they were this big. I, well, I'm a tour guide. Sometimes, guy. sometimes I, they were like I'm a, this big. I'm going to be a tour guide. It was they were this big. Embellishment. Oh, the key. really embellished. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they'd get these big jawbreakers, the kids, and they just had fun with it. And you, you got to walk around the town, and it was relatively safe. Yeah. A town that small, I didn't worry about you disappearing. Yeah. You know. I mean, everybody knew everybody too, so they wouldn't. It's like, oh, where where the grandkids go? Oh, they're right there. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't take very long in a town like that where people know that you're visiting. In fact, in fact, the local paper was so small. I'd walk over to the local newspaper, right? Yeah. Before you guys would come, and I put I put an article in the personal section. It explained all my grandchildren were going to be there, blah, blah, blah. You know, listen, they're going to be at the Harbor House this week, and they're coming to visit from California. So I told everybody in town. Oh, that's so cute. So, so whether you knew it or not, the local paper published a story, and everybody in town gets the local paper. That's just the way it is. Okay. Wow. So uh, anyway, it comes out once a week. And uh, so I, I would... I would go to the newspaper editor who I knew, right? Because yeah. you know everybody in town. Because you know everybody. You know, yeah, sure, you have to know everybody. Yeah, it's a time zone. So I'd go to the editor and I'd write the story mm -hmm. and then she'd type it in and publish it. <laughs> of course, I looked at the weekly paper and 
all the farmers said, oh, so-and-so is going to be here this week. We're going to take a look at purchasing some cows for stock and blah, blah. So everybody wrote stories. Sure. You know? So I Did said, you have well, to pay to put the stories no, in? No, you don't pay. Oh. No, you don't pay. Oh, that's neat. No, it was just, it's just a it's local. It's a small little, small yeah, little Yeah, it's a local yeah. news. They had a little thing called local. And anyway, some, some of the local, one of the local Amish fellow even had his own uh, 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 regular article called Joe Says. <laughs> and he write up his stories every week, you know, words to live by from Joe. Oh. You know, like Joe Stutzman or I forget who, who which Joe it was. But uh, yeah, it was, it was fun living in a small town. It was one of the reasons why I moved there. When I got where I wanted to retire, because it was a totally different life, mm-hmm. totally different. No stress. Everybody knew you wherever you went. Uh, in fact, it could get frustrating because sometimes you, know, you go to the grocery store and you're sitting there, and the lady in front of you is talking to one of the customers who's checking out, and they're having a conversation, and you're waiting there in line. You know, see. Yeah. So you can always tell the city folks because in line at the grocery store. They're like this, yeah. you know, and the, and, the, and the lady at the cash register, or the man, whoever's the cash register, is carrying on a conversation because, of course, you know the people. Yeah. You know, so they ask them about their horse, their kid, their whatever, <laughs> and you're you're listening to all this saying, come on, come on, you know, I'm I still from the city. I want to go home and cook dinner. <laughs> so, so I had to lose my, my uh, cityness. Sure. Yeah. So I had to calm down. I think there's a song by that young lady right now, Taylor Swift. Calm down. Have you heard that? You should hear it. I'm trying to think of Taylor. Yeah, Calm down. I, yeah. I know a lot of Taylor Swift. Well, check down. that one out. And two weeks from now, you come and tell me you listen to that song. I got I to gotta check with my friend Moon or my friend Chloe. They're both huge Swifties. <clears throat> huge Swifties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, Taylor Swift's always singing about her boyfriends or something. And I think that's all she's doing. Singing about her boyfriend, telling him, calm down. Oh, no. She sings about some really good stuff, actually. Some uh, real good stuff. I have to I don't know if you've ever heard this before, hmm. but this young lady, Taylor Swift, hmm. uh, I've loved her ever since. Who's that that uh, crazy guy who got up there and and, and, and tried to steal her lightning at the... Oh, at the, uh, at, at, at the, yeah. Or he said Beyonce should have won this award. Yeah. Oh, God. I loved her ever since then. Because, oh, yeah. Because you know what? I looked, took a long look at her, and I said, is there anything to that? And I listened to her music. I listened to her lyrics. I said, damn, she's good. She's good. She's damn good. She's really good. She's not just, you know, a pretty face, a pretty mm-hmm. voice. She she can play. She can sing. She can write. God, she's she, incredible. She's she, like a triple threat. She's a badass. She so, is a badass. So so that guy, what's his name? I, I think it was Kanye West, if Kanye I'm remembering West? correctly. But yeah. I hope yeah. I'm remembering correctly. He, he must have been having a personal crisis that day yeah because he's wrong she yeah deserves she deserves that she deserves that yeah absolutely. she's good she's absolutely good. um let's go back to the stories of of missouri and jamesport and all that i remember uh, um wouldn't you like take us down to a river and we would like try to catch frogs and stuff or like a little creek oh do you remember that where were the frogs well, almost everywhere yeah um i had uh, the first piece of property I bought in Missouri was uh, one time we went back there to visit Gail's family in Missouri, and I saw an ad in the paper, Amish farm, 40 acres. Hmm. I said, oh. So we had to drive about uh, 50 miles to a little Amish town. It's the first time I saw Jamesport. Really? I had never met Amish before that. I went to this little town, and when I got there, there was little horses and buggies going all over, you know? 
and it was like, oh my God, these people are living in the in the in the nineteen uh, twenties or nineteen ten, you know, <laughs> yeah. or the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Uh, they were all on horseback or on buggies because they don't use any electricity, right? No, they don't use electricity. Although it's complicated. Okay, I can explain it to you because being a tour guide for the Amish, I found out all about the Amish, and I know where the dirt is, Spill and I know where the secret. skeletons are buried. Ooh, yes. we got to get into that. Exactly. Let's do it. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, those are the ones that leave the Amish. That's you see. We had uh, a lot of TV shows for a while back in the uh, early 2000s about the Amish in the city. Was it like Breaking Amish or something like yeah, that? Yeah, they had. And some of those people came to Jaysport to interview uh, young Amish kids for those shows. Huh. So they stayed at our inn when they came. So we knew about that. Knew you about got all the dirt. <laughs> yes, we got all the dirt on them. And in fact, they even did a show. Glamour Magazine did a show at our inn where they asked an Amish girl, a really pretty girl, Amish, you know, they keep their hair head covered. Mm -hmm. So it's like uh, like nuns. Have you seen nuns wear habits? Yeah. You never see their hair. No. Because they're covered. Amish are the same way. The women, once they reach the age where they join the church, mm -hmm. they covered their heads. Do you know what the reasoning for that is? Uh, yes, it's biblical uh, that the women should have their hair covered in the church. Anyway, that's their interpretation of the New Testament, mm. that women need to cover their heads. Eh. That's their story, and they're sticking to it. So, <clears throat> so this young lady, who was a friend of ours, one of the Graber girls, I call them the Graber chicks, because they were, yeah, there's a whole bunch of them, because they're sisters, okay. you know, a big family, a lot of sisters, and they always <laughs> got into trouble. Oh, with a capital T. <laughs> so the Graber chicks, they just lived on the edge, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, because you know, in the Amish church, once you join the church, you take your vows. It's like becoming a nun. You know, oh, once wow. you take your vows, you're in the you're you're in the monastery or you're in the convent. What age do you join the church? Uh, somewhere between, ooh, eighteen and when you lose your lizard brain, somewhere around there, twenty-seven, thirty. <laughs> around... It depends. Oh, it depends. Interesting. It's like saying, well, what age do you become a nun? Yeah, it's interesting, you know. Okay. It's a it's a commitment you make, and yeah. you don't make it till you're ready. So sure. there's no right age. Got it. But the age before you take your vow or your promise to to be uh, Amish and honor God in that way, you have these years, and it's called rumspringa. Rumspringa. Rumspringa means running around, and that's huh. when the young people can do whatever they want. And the old Amish who are in the church, like the nuns and the monks, uh, uh, they look down at the kids and say, if you need to do something, you need to run around and sow your wild oats, you best do it now because once you once you sign up with God. You can't do it no more. It's over. It's over. <clears throat> so if you want to go play games, you want to listen to music, you want to do any of that stuff, do it now because no more. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> of course this young lady, her name is Sarah, Glamour Magazine came to the Arbor House, and Sarah volunteered to let them do her a makeover and do her hair. Mm. So it's still on YouTube today. You can really? Buy it. Yeah, yeah. The Arbor House Sarah, uh, Glamour Magazine, Amish, makeover, hairdo, whatever. You'll probably find it. I'll look for it for you if you want. Okay, yeah. Anyway, so Sarah was there, and uh, the hairdresser, I forget his name, 
Uh, but he sat her down there and he worked on her all day and he got her hair and he put highlights in and everything and it made her look, she really looked beautiful. Aww. Right. So she, but she was just an Amish girl who never, yeah. never had her hair done before. So it was That's fun sweet. and she had it colored yeah. and everything. It's a good thing she had an understanding mother. Yeah. You know, very good. Of course, thing. I guess she could cover it up. <laughs> I suppose <clears throat> so. Yeah. So anyway, that, that was one of the things that happened there at the Arbor House. That was our bed and breakfast, by the way. Okay, we call it yeah, the Arbor yeah. House because there's something about that too. I love trees, and uh, two of the biggest trees in town were on the lot where the Arbor House was located, and so trees, Arbor, yeah, Arbor makes day. sense. Yeah, so I call it the Arbor House. How many the trees. how many houses did you have at the Arbor House? Uh, the there was a there was the main house, which was two bedrooms and two small sleeping rooms that were weren't really bedrooms. They were, they were more like accommodations for large groups. Sure. <clears throat> so there was that, and then there was a, a a second building that had one, two, three, three units, and one of the units was a three bedroom unit. Mm. So families would come there. Okay. And that's where your brothers got in trouble, too. Oh, I definitely remember some of this. Well, Would you talk about it? Yeah. And then the third building was a combination, owner's quarters and kitchen, and another two rooms. Sure. So the, the three-bedroom suite that we had there, uh, I'd let your brothers, you guys, sleep there <laughs> when you came to the end. And the nice thing about it, it had... A nice little stairway that went up to the third bedroom, mm -hmm. and then it had a rail. Mm -hmm. Oh, I vividly remember that. Yes, and then if you looked over the rail just below in the bedroom below, there was a big bed. Well, must have been Monkey Riley, a <laughs> uh, little monkey brother of yours. I think it was. Who got Riley up on or the Riley top, or Matt? I think. Decide no, it was it was Riley. I'm sure it was Riley. He's the he's, <laughs> he's the one. You should warn Mel by the way. Oh yeah, I gotta tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Mel, he, Mel just agreed to marry Riley. Mm -hmm. Riley's a, my brother. Yeah, just a few weeks ago. So uh, I don't know that she knows everything about Riley yet. We may disclose some very, very delicate secrets here today. So Mel, <laughs> if you're watching, tread carefully. Yeah, pay attention. <laughs> okay, so so Riley was up in the second floor, jumped off the top onto the bed below, and smashed the dock spring. And broke the slats out the bottom. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it wasn't God, it was Riley. <laughs> now, Riley, this is the same Riley that in the summer before broke one of the, the uh, posts off a big post bed by using it as a, as a what do you call it, pole dance. Yeah. He thought he was a pole oh, dancer. Lordy. And he was swinging around on it, the monkey foot, <laughs> and he broke that. So Riley is, is is always getting it. What was his? So why why do you call him Monkey Riley? Other than the obvious. Oh, oh, with kids when they're little, when they're you know between the age of one and two, or they cry and they usually they have like a mother knows the cry of their child. Right. Riley always always heard a monkey crying when he cried. <laughs> I heard a monkey squeal. So so I. And why don't you do an impression for us? Hey, that was perfect. I'm not very good. Oh yeah, they would. You would hate when he cried. Why don't you explain you when you were a kid and you were crying? Oh. Oh. Oh well, I don't like to talk about that. But <laughs> oh, you don't. That has to do with. Uh, 
I think I explained to you one day. Uh, there's a lot of things in your life you only know because you were told. Mm. You never really experienced them in your own mind. Very true. But it's like if enough people tell you, oh, you remember when you did this and this and this, and after a while, you've heard the story so many times that you can repeat it. Mm -hmm. So you can say, yeah, and then I did this and this. You don't know if you did it or not, <laughs> but you've been told so many times that, by God, it's the truth. Mm -hmm. All right. It's a cough drop, by the way. It's not a gummy. So I'm not going to get stoned in your presence. Just not in your presence. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> so, <clears throat> where was I? So you're talking about how you can recall, well, not recall, but you tell a story over and over again, even if you uh, don't remember it. That was the one about me as a baby. Since I couldn't remember, but I had many, many aunts. And my aunts uh, on my father's side, were most of them were spinsters. Like there was at least three spinsters. And they never got married. And they took their joy and their pleasure in taking care of their nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. I think I spoke to you about that earlier. You're, gonna, yeah. you're an aunt now, so you know. An aunt gets to spoil the little... It's true. Little I'm a rotten, favorite aunt. Yes. You get to spoil That's those true. nephews and nieces, and you get away with it. My aunts used to, you know, love us because they didn't <laughs> have kids of their own. But they also ratted us out. Of course. So As they did. Yeah. So every as I was growing up, you know, you're very sensitive, and I was an introvert. So when I was 8, 9, 10 years old, I didn't want to hear my aunts telling everybody that I was a crybaby. <laughs> Every time I got they would tell everybody the story, no matter who was there. Oh, Chion, Chion, crybaby, crybaby. Ronnie was the worst. I was always the worst, worst crybaby. No one could stop me from crying. Nobody, nobody could stop me from crying. And then my aunt said, well, one day, one day, <clears throat> they looked at me and said, what's wrong? What do you want? And I had barely gotten old enough so I could say it. Chorizo. <laughs> and my aunt said, oh my God, he wants chorizo. 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 And so my aunts went out, good aunts that they were, and they bought chorizo. And they came back and they fed me and I shut up. <laughs> so ever since then, they told everybody, oh, yeah, he cried. We figured it out. Chorizo. So I got the reputation of being a crybaby, and I also got the reputation for loving chorizo mm -hmm. when I was a little baby. So it, <clears throat> there's a whole story about chorizo in my life, because since I liked it so much, it's followed me my whole life. Of and course. so I've got several adventures just about chorizo. <laughs> uh, seriously, though. Okay, tell you it. You know, uh, well, I used to eat one brand of chorizo because that's what my mother gave me. It was called Carmelitas. Okay, so I ate that all my life since I was a little kid, all the way up and probably till I was, oh, at least 50 years old. And then I was in Missouri. Uh, when I moved to Missouri, I couldn't get any more. I lived in California, and they sold it in California because there's a lot of Mexicans in California. Mm -hmm. But you go in the middle of Missouri and Amish country, not too many Mexicans, oh, yeah. no. Well, so, and also it's such a small town. You only get uh, like an exclusive product. Population of so. 525. Yeah. So. So I couldn't find Carmelita's chorizo. Hell, I couldn't find any chorizo, I don't think. So, uh, so I called the California, and I called the factory. I called Carmelita's factory, and I talked to the owner. <laughs> you really wanted your chorizo. <laughs> I really wanted my chorizo. And he said, oh, I bet you'd like it, blah, blah, blah. And we talked, and he sent me a case. You know, I sent him money, and he sent me a case, and all was well. And uh, so I could get chorizo wherever I was now. So I got it in Missouri when I needed it, and 
I'd put it in the freezer and I'd use it up. So I still got my Carmelitas trees. Then I moved back to California, uh, oh, about oh, seven, eight years ago. And I started looking for Carmelitas here because I, I had trouble finding it then. Mm. I said, well, what happened? Well, as it turned out, I had to call the factory back. And the guy at the factory, the same guy, right owner, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, we shut down. We can't make it anymore because the recipe, our, our family recipe, it used parts of the pig that the state said we can't use anymore. Like what? Well, you know, they use, uh, in poor countries where they make sausage, the sausage, the reason people say sausage making isn't pretty is because they use the parts of the animal yeah. that you wouldn't normally eat, like sure. the cheeks, the lips, the yeah. nose, snout, and they grind it up and it becomes a part of the meat of the sausage. They use things like bladders or spleen, any the organs that sure. they use of the animal, and they grind them up and they use them to make the sausage. So uh, Carmelita's had some pork ingredients that the state of California said, I don't think so. That might be hazardous to your customers if you put that in there. Not that it would kill anybody, but right. it's not it's not uh, approved for use in those kinds of products in California anymore. You know, they pass laws. Sure, kind of like kind of <clears throat> like a mad cow disease, huh? Yeah, like mad yeah. cow disease in England. Um, that's another whole story, but that uh, it's similar to that. Yeah. So Carmelitas quit making, but they said, "Well, we gave our recipe." Uh, to Northgate Market, and they make a sausage that's similar in flavor. Mm -hmm. So I'd go and I bought Northgate Mar uh, Market sausage, chorizo for a while, and it wasn't quite as good. So mm -hmm. I just gave up on it. Now I've learned to eat any chorizo. Oh, <laughs> if I can get it, I'll sad. eat it. Poor you. <laughs> I, know. I know. But well, that is a shame when the item, like certain items are discontinued or you you can't find them anywhere. And it was so specific and you can't even recreate it because it was so specific. You can't find the recipe anywhere. Exactly. Oh, it's really a shame. For me, that's um, like Starbucks's blueberry yogurt muffin. They discontinued it while I was working there, God, like, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago. And I just haven't had a blueberry muffin that's been the same ever since. Ever since. And it, 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 it ails me. Yeah. It ails me. I know, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. It hurt me so bad, the stuff I wanted to eat, I couldn't, that I had to learn to cook. <laughs> that's why that's you learned how to cook? <laughs> I think that's another story. I don't know if I told you a couple weeks ago about my mother and how I grew up and how I learned to cook. No, I don't think you did. Uh, well, <clears throat> the first time I can remember cooking was I decided, I don't know why, I decided I was in the seventh or eighth grade, I decided I was going to make pumpkin pies and cook turkey for Thanksgiving. All, only knows what possessed me. But how old were you? Uh, I was in eighth grade, I think. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so that's exactly what I did. I read the recipes. Uh, I made the uh, two uh, just according to the to the to the pumpkin pie yeah. can. You know, pumpkin yeah. can pumpkin. I <laughs> I followed the recipe and I made two pumpkin pies, and then God knows they came out. They were a success. They were and good. Then, and I cooked the turkey. That worked too. Look at you. I know. I know. I was really, I was really on a roll. And then, well, then my lizard brain took over in my twenties, mm. and I was learning to cook. I, uh, I did a lot of crazy things. Uh, one year, I made red, white, and blue tamales because I wanted to learn how to make tamales. But you remember back in the sixties, everybody was wrapping themselves in flags. People wearing flag hats and yeah. protesting, 
everything had flags, you know, flag hats, flag shirts. Everybody made everything out of flags, which is illegal, but people did it anyway. So everything was red, white, and blue during the Vietnam era. Yeah. So I decided to make red, white, blue tamales, right? <clears throat> so with like food coloring and stuff, I assume. Yes. Okay. I learned to make tamales from uh, uh, your grandmother's uh, mother, great grandmother, Mercy. Oh. So uh, I knew how to make tamales. I learned that when I was probably in my early twenties. Uh, but it was late, later on in my late twenties that I decided to take my cook culinary skills and made red, white, and blue tamales instead of just the regular ones. I used food coloring. Of course, that's when I didn't know that red dye was not good for you. So yeah. I dyed the masa, the cornmeal. That makes sense. <clears throat> red, white, and blue. Anyway, it was a big. I got a big reputation in the family for making red, white, and blue tamales. It's only been done <laughs> once. Okay, but never to be done again. <laughs> I got outrageous because in the late '60s, I don't know. So we started smoking grass. Me and my friends, uh, who I work with at IBM, bunch of straight laced guys, mind you. So we all smoked some weed, and uh, I put some weed in stuffing for turkey. But I decided, no, not what you think. I put it in the stuffing, but I. Oh just, no, no, no! I like where this I'm, is going. <laughs> of course. We were invited to Mama's house for Thanksgiving, right? So the whole family is going to be there. I don't know how many of the family knew this, but I decided to make some table decorations for the for the table. Mm -hmm. So I bought Cornish hens, little Cornish hens. You know, okay, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. And they're nice and plump. Sure. They look like little turkeys, right? Mm -hmm. That's that lizard brain, right? Lizard brain. My lizard brain <laughs> took over, and I said, "Oh, look, little turkeys! What if I stuff them with marijuana stuffing?" Oh, wouldn't that be fun? Let's just dump our family. <laughs> so I made these beautiful little Cornish hands, golden colored, you know. They were just and put them on a little oh plate, goodness. like they look like miniature turkeys with the stuffing pouring out the end. I mean, I could have been an artist. Oh, oh you were an artiste. <clears throat> yes. So I brought them and set them out on the table, <laughs> and of course, then it was uh, eat the stuffing from the bird. <laughs> oh my gosh! It was the secret. Like, wow, that stuffing. <clears throat> Okay, now, this falls under the category of something I should have gotten in trouble with for, but I didn't. Oh. Uh, my mother never found out. Did she not eat the stuffing? No. Not, not all those little birds. <laughs> no. Anyway, I got away with it. It's the, it's the good part. Did anybody find out that it was you like anybody else? Oh, yeah. I told everybody. <laughs> of course. You could have bra bragging rights. I, yes, I had bragging rights. So who else would do such a crazy thing? Yeah, I did that. I did that. And How? Oh, but my mom, she loved me anyway. That I, I take a lesson about mothers. Uh, a lot of people don't get this till they're really old. Uh, I love my mom. My mom was, you know, she was really tough and mean and all. But I love my mom. Mm -hmm. And so I would always worry that my mother would be proud of me. You know, I hope you were mom, worried that she was. She, oh, that she, that she, she, that she wouldn't be proud. Of me. Sorry, uh, I always worried that you know she wouldn't be proud of me or I wouldn't be. Make her proud. Mm -hmm. So I always did things, and whenever I had accomplishments, it's like I hope she say, "Wow, you did good, Mimo." You know, mm -hmm. "Ah, you did good." Oh, I love you. Uh, anyway, that didn't happen <clears throat> because I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. She never told me a damn thing. Mm. But I figured out. I cracked the mystery. I would call my mom occasionally, occasionally, as boys do. And whenever I call my mom, she always had the same reaction. She was shocked. She says. First thing out of her mouth, what's wrong? What's wrong? Did you lose your job? 
I said, no. I said, no, Mom, I didn't lose my job. Oh, oh, you're sick. Are you in the hospital? No, Mom, not sick. Oh, you're not in jail, are you? You didn't get arrested. No, Mom, I didn't get arrested. Okay, so this went on for years, years. I called my mom. She'd be shocked. And worried. Worried. Yeah. What's wrong? What's like, I'm calling you. What's wrong? Why are you calling me? Mm-hmm. And she asked me the same three questions every time. Lizard brain finally grew up. And I said, oh, I get it. To my mother, I had a good job. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in jail. And I wasn't sick. <laughs> oh, boy, I love you. Sorry. <laughs> As I said, oh, shit, all these years. And all my mother cared about was that I wasn't sick. I had a job, you know, and I, and I wasn't in jail. Thank God. You know, <laughs> that's who she was. Yeah. And so that's, that's what she wanted for her children. Live a good life. Mm. You know, have a job. You know, don't, don't be in jail. Don't, don't, don't get sick. Yeah. Yeah. Live a good life. Live anyway, a good life. So uh, it took a long time to understand just that one thing about my mother. Mm-hmm. Okay. I must, not, I must have been in my 40s before I figured that shit out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I broke, I broke the, I broke the code. <laughs> well, and the reason that brought it to a head was, uh, I wrote a book. You wrote a book? Yeah, I wrote a book. That's when I was in Silicon Valley. Uh, the company needed a subject matter expert to write about a certain product and how to integrate it into the, uh, different architecture, uh-huh. hardware architecture. So they asked me if I would write a book and they would use it as a training tool for all of the engineers. Oh, wow. <clears throat> okay, so that's impressive. I, I wrote this book. I had it published at Prentice Hall, and it was distributed all around the world as a part of a part of the introduction of a product line that we had. I yeah. did that for marketing. Okay, so uh, of course I was proud. Yeah, yeah you should you know, be. I was proud. I said, oh, You're like, yeah, yeah I got published. I'm a publisher. Right? Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's my name on the book. I got, <laughs> I got and I got royalties. And, oh, Ooh. Like, that was cool. Anyway, I told my mom. Man, nothing to her. I know. I know. She, you know what she'd do? How tragic. I know what she'd do? Smarty pants, you just show off her. <clears throat> so, it wasn't okay to toot your own horn, see? Uh. So, when I had tried to tell my mom, I was really happy that I hope she was proud of me because I got published. Mm. She'd have no part of it. No she didn't part. care. She's like, okay, no. tell me something else impressive. <laughs> <clears throat> no, in fact, your dad, uh, your father, uh, he was he was an integral part of that book. Oh, really? He was my copy editor. Wow. Your dad copy edited that book. He's a damn good copy editor, I'll tell you. He's a lawyer. But... Well, yeah, he's an attorney. He's yeah. a litigator. Yeah. yeah. So he uh, he copy edited that book, and I wrote it up, thanked him in the, in the preface. Oh. But, yeah, your dad uh, played a role in that. That's so sweet. See, there you know. The more you know. Now you know. See, there's yeah. things about me you don't know. Oh, there are plenty <clears throat> things that I don't know. Yeah, this. this is, <laughs> and uh, things to, that I hope to uncover. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, I think we've talked about, <laughs> we talked about that a few times. Yeah. All of the grandkids get to see a little bit of who I am, but just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm 76 years old. You're barely, what, I was alive. 22. I was 50 years old before you were even born. Yeah. And you can imagine all the trouble I got into before well, you. Ronnie, no, 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 <clears throat> Mickey was the 50th born yes. child, or not 50th born, but he was uh, born on your 50th birthday. Oh, uh, that's the only time I ever got pissed off at your mother. 
Damn. <laughs> oh. Tell the story of that. Your mother, your mother, Ronette, she was just the apple of my eye, you know, my angel <laughs> child. God, I loved her. She could do no wrong. On my 50th birthday, she gave birth to a boy. So instead of instead of Mickey being Ronald, mm -hmm. Mickey is Michael for your yep. dad. <laughs> I, I swear I didn't talk to your mother for months after that. Wow, <clears throat> you were that salty. Uh, that's just that's the tale I'm telling today. <laughs> but I tell that that's the one. It's like the chorizo story. Yeah, it's the one I tell about your mother to everybody because of course because she blew it. Oh, it's iconic. It's an yeah. iconic story. She blew it big time. Yeah. Yeah. Her golden opportunity, fifty years, right? After all these boys, by the way, that was like that was the the brother that was right before me, and there were three more, no, four more boys before that. Yeah, yeah, and none of them were named after him. <clears throat> it wasn't until my younger brother came. So, Ronette, if you're out there, and you're <laughs> listening. I still haven't forgiven you for that one, just like you haven't forgiven me for planting you in the snow. We'll have to get into that another episode. We talked about it in the episode that ended up going wrong. Yeah, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll uncover all those stories another time. Well, let's wrap up this uh, episode. And what I want to end every single episode off with is a check-in on you and how you're doing. Oh. Um, so let's go ahead and get into that a little bit. Okay. How are well, you feeling today? <clears throat> let's talk about my health. Yeah. Today I'm in good spirits, doing well. Uh, and pretty much I've been in good spirits ever since my diagnosis. Uh, I got a, a final diagnosis of uh, pulmonary fibrosis and um, uh, interstitial lung disease, which is terminal. Mm -hmm. So this is going to kill me. Uh, I think I said last episode, you know, at least now I know what's going to kill me. There's no yeah. mystery anymore. <laughs> so I figured it out. Anyway, my doctor told me. Uh, so it's just a matter now of planning my end of life so that I have some quality of life left and that I care for myself uh uh, and my uh, comfort and uh, uh, suffering. And that's my main issue right now. Right now, my lung capacity is probably about 50%. Mm -hmm. A year ago, it was about 75 So it's dropping. Uh, I can still get around, breathe without oxygen most of the time. Of course, I can breathe without oxygen. I just don't get enough. Yeah. Uh, and as long as I'm sitting in a, uh, in a position like this where I'm at rest, uh, I can talk and do pretty well, and my blood oxygen stays up. As soon as I do any moving, use muscles, my blood oxygen will drop. So I have oxygen in the house now uh, on a regular basis. Uh, anytime I get up and do anything, I'm taking oxygen. Uh, so that's the stage I'm at right now. Um, as I progress, uh, things are going to change. Mm -hmm. I'll probably be doing one of these interviews with you sometime with oxygen oh, running yeah. as Absolutely. I'm talking. Yeah. That'll yeah. happen eventually, <clears throat> and we'll be able to document and chronicle it all and yep. see how it kind of progresses. And yeah. for anybody watching out there who might be dealing with this with a loved one or a friend or something, you'll be able to see a little bit of, you know, kind of that stuff. I'll tell you what's, what's important for the people out there who have something similar or the yeah. same thing that I have. I looked around to try to find out uh, what my life is going to be like now. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, there's no real good information. It's not like you go on YouTube and somebody right. like myself is up there saying, okay, well, first thing's going to happen to you is blah, blah, blah. At least now, uh, if if I get to do this enough and, and follow my progress, someone else who has a similar disease can at least see what's in store for them exactly. and understand what the changes are going to go through. Yeah. Like when are you going to need oxygen? How, how do you get around now? So I'll be talking about those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Right now I'm still mobile. I can still go out to the mailbox. Yeah. You know, i got to come back and get oxygen, but I can still do those things. Uh, and, and I'm following how fast my oxygen drops. And it keeps dropping faster. So uh, that's how I'm measuring mm -hmm. my progress. Uh, I've decided uh, and told my doctor already that I'm not going to take any extraordinary measures and any kind of medicine that is going to diminish my quality of life uh, and trade that for a few more months of life. Because if I'm not happy, if I'm miserable, I'm throwing up, I got nausea, who the hell wants to live two months nauseous? Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not interested in that. So uh, there is that. there is treatment, but there's no cure. Sure. And there's no treatment that will make you feel better. That's a key mm -hmm. factor. There's medication to try to draw it out, but it doesn't make you feel good. It's, yeah. it's bad stuff. You know, you suffer through it. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that. Um, and so I'm just going to uh, only look for two things, really. One is... Uh, uh, Look into getting some kind of pills for anxiety. As it's harder to breathe, I'm going to be suffering some anxiety mm -hmm. and uh, or and maybe depression. Yeah. And so I'm going to have to uh, see about getting some meds for depression or anxiety with my doc. See how that works out. Yeah. <coughs> and you have your next appointment on a the... February second. Yeah. Yeah, February second. This is what uh, January. Well, this is 22nd? the twenty. Six. This is the 26? twenty. Yeah, we're at the twenty sixth. Uh -huh. uh, although this episode will be coming out on Sunday. The 30th, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, and you, you have coughing fits and stuff like that sometimes. Uh, yeah, because I've got, I've got uh, uh, stuff that I'm coughing up in my lungs, sputum, you know, yeah. uh, and I can't stop that. But the coughing isn't painful, not yet. That's good. Yeah, so uh, yeah. it's just an annoyance, and I've had a lot of annoyances in my life, so this is nothing. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> I, you know I wasn't... Uh, I remember in high school, I read once that I wasn't sure if it was E.E. E. Cummings or T.S. Eliot. I, I, I cried because I had no, I had no sh uh, shoes till I saw a man who had no feet. Mm. And so, relatively speaking, I've That's seen deep. I've seen a lot of misery in my life and people dying and uh, people who are really bad off. Yeah. And so I look at myself and I consider myself lucky mm. that I know what's wrong with me. I know what what I'm going to have to deal with. But the rest of my life, you know, injury here, injury there. I managed to survive pretty well, and so I, I don't have any, uh, you know, feelings like why me, mm -hmm. you know, those kind That's of things. That's sort of That's one really direction good. people go is why me, why me. I know the I learned that I I lost a son who was two years old back in the seventies. Really? Yes, oh, I, I had a son. That. His name was Dominic. He died at two years old of meningitis. Oh wow! And I remember riding in my car, uh, thinking about him just after he passed, and I asked myself the question why. And at that time, it dawned on me, the answer is always, why not? Mm. There's no there's no guarantees in life. And the sooner you learn that and understand that, I think the more well-equipped you are to deal with adversity. That, you know, somebody doesn't do something like, my little boy didn't die because somebody had it in for him. Right. There was no real reason for it. Sure. It's, uh, it's chance. And so, you know, why? Somebody had to die. 
You know, like you go in war. You know, the guy next to you bites it. You know why? Because people die in war. War is terrible. War is atrocious. <clears throat> yeah. I remember coming back from Vietnam, and I, I, uh, I really did not. I would not watch any war movies at all. Anything to do with armies, wars, I just stay away from. Do you, you know? still stay away from those? Uh, yeah, I do. And uh, also, I the glorification of war, uh, people with saber rattling, jingoism, mm -hmm. all of that stuff just turns me off. You know, if you've seen the face of war, the hell you don't want you don't want to go back. To you that. don't want to relive that. You don't that. want anybody to do that. No. You know, uh, when you see stacks and stacks of aluminum coffins shipping the guys back home, you know it has an effect on you. You don't want to see that anymore. Yeah. It, so all of these people who who are quick to rattle their sabers and and want to fight someone. Uh, it's sad. It's sad. It's really sad. We lost 60,000 men at least in Vietnam and women. The Vietnamese, who people don't talk about, they lost 2 million. Yeah. See? It's we lost really 60,000 and we cried. They lost 2 million in that war. We bombed yeah. the hell out of them. We did all kinds of terrible Agent things. Orange, uh, all that <clears> stuff. Yeah, even today, they're looking at Agent Orange as being a possibility for why I have lung disease because yeah. I was there. Yeah. So that's an issue and I haven't got it resolved yet. But that's another issue to consider. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have any bad feelings true. about it because you know, I'm one of those people who serve my country. I volunteered. I don't have any, any qualms about serving my country. Uh, my country's been good to me. So uh, I, I, I didn't mind at all. You know, and I never questioned it. I still don't really. I think that's part of what patriotism is really about. about you know, when your time comes to serve, you step up, you do what you need to do. And uh, it's for the, for the benefit of all the citizens, not just me, but for, for everybody. Uh, <clears throat> and then I get up on a soapbox and then I feel bad because today we're suffering from a pandemic and I'm feeling bad because people won't even sacrifice a jab in the arm to get a, to get no. a, a vaccine when so many soldiers are willing to give their lives for their fellow man. You want to get a shot. To help your the entire country, the entire world. Yeah, people behave as if they're sacrificing their freedom. Well, anyway, I don't want to talk about yeah. that. It's sad. It's very sad. Yeah. That we have lost our sense of community. Yeah. That we care about ourselves, but do we really care about the guy next door? And that's what's honestly so important. Well, some people don't. I found out. Um, so. Yeah. That's life. We'll talk that more about life. it next time. We will indeed. On that very high note. <laughs> oh, did I leave you on a downer? Oh, I'm so sorry. I promise to do better next time. It's okay. Um, on that, everybody's going to die eventually. That's so it. So live your life to the fullest. Live your life with compassion, consideration. And we'll see you not next week. I know I said next week last episode, but I didn't think about what I was saying because we're doing this bi-weekly. So uh, I'll see you in two weeks, as will my very incredible grandfather, Captain Ron Ledesma. Um, well, Captain Ron, why don't you say goodbye to your friends, family, and fans? Oh, to all of you out there in uh, who listen to Midnight Radio, I have a copy of one of my latest editions of Midnight Ooh. Radio. Midnight Radio it, Roxy. It's yeah. on a USB drive, you see? Very easy to put in your automobile. And when you do, it turns your automobile into a streaming device. I know. And you listen to Midnight Radio. And all of a yes. sudden, you're interjected into the pirate ship pinata. 
Yes, that's where we broadcast from. <laughs> Indeed. <clears throat> and you can find more of Captain Ron's Midnight Radio playlists and all that jazz on his Spotify, which is in the description below. Go ahead and like, comment, subscribe, uh, share on social media, all this stuff. And we will see you in two weeks. <laughs> oh, and, uh, and uh, Midnight Radio is free of charge. Free of charge. I don't charge. charge. You can listen to all my playlists <laughs> all you want. I don't care. So it's your free. heart's content. It's free. Yes. <laughs> and on that note, my name is Kayla Marie Coates signing off. And I'm Ron Ledesma signing off. Captain Ron Ledesma. The captain, yes. The captain. Oh, captain, my captain. Yes. <laughs> bye bye for now, y'all. See ya. <laughs>